Mark Cuban. Going against the norm and, and looking for people who had great ideas is, is really what I look for as opposed to individuals mentoring me. David Stern. Thank you. Those are very kind and generous words. I greatly appreciate them and thanks for having me on. Jeannie Bus. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everybody. Chris Everett. It was very interesting. You asked great questions, so thank you very much, Brian. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Maria Taylor. Oh, thanks, Brian. I appreciate it. And your preparation shows you. Tim Howard. Well, I appreciate you saying I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's edition of Sports Business Radio. No guests this week, just me and executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? What more do you need, really? I mean, you know, we're isolated in our nice small studio. That's right. There's no one else around. Uh, we did not high-five, fist bump, nothing. <laughs> Vacuum sealed. So, but seriously, every once in a while, there's a story that comes along, and it, it warrants kind of some comprehensive conversation because there's several layers to it. And the coronavirus is here, and you know, I'm not going to be like a lot of these media outlets where uh, they sensationalize things, but I do want to try and cover the the many layers to this, and then we have some other headlines of the week as well. But so let's start with the coronavirus. Uh, this is a fast-moving story, Griggs. It started a couple weeks ago, and I think Italy is kind of the roadmap for a lot of people. It started off with 40 cases, then it was 65, then it was a few hundred, and then you know now it's like over 4,000. So uh, Italy is on lockdown, which is unprecedented that the prime minister of Italy on Monday basically said, everyone's on house arrest. Don't go to work. Don't go anywhere unless it's an emergency. Like, we need to contain this thing. And the more people who have contact with each other, the faster this thing could spread. So that's kind of the the bar that's been set globally. The extreme case of a prime minister putting 60 million people on quarantine, basically. But we'll work our way down from there. If you look at Events that have been canceled. So we're event planners, too. We do the Sports Business Radio Roadshow. I do the Sports PR Summit in New York. I pay attention to these types of things. South by Southwest was canceled on Friday. That was a big deal. They've been around for 34 years. They bring in music artists and film artists from around the world. And the mayor of Austin basically said, we can't bring 73,000 people from around the world into our city because who knows what could happen with the spread of the coronavirus. So that was shut down. Um, and then, you know, you look at some other things that have happened, like the BNP Paribus Open, which is many people call it the fifth grand slam in tennis. The top players go there. And this was shut down. The prize money, $17 million. So the players disappointed about this. And if you look at shutting down an event of that magnitude, the economic impact on Coachella Valley, $406 million in 2017. So if you're Austin and you lose South by Southwest or you're Coachella Valley and you 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 lose the BNP Paribus Open, Griggs, it's hundreds of millions of dollars 
worth of losses to your local economy. That's a big deal. Yeah, I mean, it shows how big this virus is or can be because these are big events that are getting canceled. I mean, it's affecting a lot of people. And uh, you're seeing it even in some sporting events around the world. Uh, a couple soccer matches had no fans in it. And uh, things like that where there's big groups of people coming into one area where that could be spread pretty quickly. So, I mean, I, I think I see why people are doing it. Uh, it's such a fluid story, too. It's literally every five seconds yeah. something new, you get a new headline. It's That's the fascinating side of it is there's so much around it. And it's a worldwide thing. So you're really seeing all kinds of news around it. And I think everyone is erring on the side of caution. Yeah. Right? There's liability. There's the health of the players. I mean, not to play chicken little here, but seriously, how long are we going to go before we see a pro or college athlete who gets the coronavirus? Yeah. Right? And then the fear factor is going to go up by (laughs) 100, right? Especially if it's a pro baseball player, a National Hockey League player, an NBA player, Major League Soccer, someone like that. Because now you've got to quarantine that person from the team and Mm -hmm. is anyone else on the team been subjected to this or exposed to this so we saw something on monday that i mean i've been doing the show 16 years i've never seen a joint press release between major league baseball major league soccer the nba and the nhl all issued a joint press release the headline professional sports leagues temporarily limit locker room access to players and essential staff After consultation with infectious disease and public health experts, and given the issues that can be associated with close contact in pre- and post-game settings, all team locker rooms and clubhouses will be open only to players and essential employees of teams and team facilities until further notice. Media access will be maintained in designated locations outside of the locker room and clubhouse setting. These temporary changes will be effective beginning with tomorrow's games and practices, We will continue to closely monitor the situation and take any further steps necessary to maintain a safe and welcoming environment. Griggs, I have so many thoughts on this. (laughs) I figured. (laughs) But let's start with right after this, the Pro Basketball Writers Association, the Major League Baseball Writers Association, they issue statements essentially saying, you can't close the locker room. You're restricting our access. How can we do our jobs? You know, they, of course, acknowledge the fact that they want everyone to be healthy. And, you know, that's first and foremost, everyone's health. But they take it as a personal affront that they can't go into the locker room or the clubhouse. And if you've listened to Sports Business Radio and you know my background as part-time strategic PR consultant to some pretty big teams and organizations and leagues... And then also host of this show, I have said before, and I'll say it again, and I said it on Twitter over the weekend, and people came at me at SB Radio. The locker room should be closed permanently. The locker room should be the sanctuary for the players, the coaches, and the media. If you talk to players and coaches like I have, they don't want outsiders in the locker room for health reasons. It should be their sanctuary. Let me ask you this, and this is how I put it a few months ago when I tackled this topic. Let me give you a visual. (laughs) You're at home. You take a shower. You step out of your shower. You go into your bedroom or your changing room or your closet, wherever you get dressed. And you're greeted by people holding cameras and microphones. (laughs) How would you like it? I'm guessing many of you would probably go, you know what? Not down with that. 
And don't give me that, well, they make millions of dollars. This is part of their job. No. When these locker room access policies were put in place in the 60s, there were no iPhones. There were no Samsungs. There were no recording devices like there are today where you can instantly put something out on Twitter, on Instagram, on other platforms. That should be the sanctuary. Now, before everyone gets mad at me and says, Burger, it's part of the reporter's job. They've got to be able to go in the locker room. They've got to be able to get stories in there and build relationships. I am not suggesting restrict or cut off media access. Most of these arenas, most of these stadiums have extra rooms, right? Why don't you turn one of these rooms into, let's call it, the media and social media room. Put up logos of the team. Put up a sponsor logo and sell it and make some revenue. Bring the players to a location other than the locker room and have them do interviews. And you know what? If you have to threaten them as part of the CBA to say, if you don't show up for these interviews, these are the fines that you will incur. I mean, look, part of my job is as a consultant for everything is on the record. I'm in locker rooms with teams all the time, and I'm encouraging them to do interviews and to meet with the media. And I can tell you the leagues have fines if you don't cooperate. If you go hide in the shower and you don't come out. But part of the reason they're hiding in the shower, the locker room is not a natural setting for interviews to take place. And I go back to the example I just gave. If you step out of your shower and you're instantly greeted by people with cameras and recording devices, is it comfortable for anyone? No, it's not. So find another room at the stadium, at the arena, turn it into a media, social media hub, Same rules apply. 15 minutes after the game, players have to start appearing. All the players have to go make an appearance for post-game interviews. So you're still doing the interviews that would take place in the locker room. You're just doing them outside of the locker room. Griggs, is that a crazy idea? No, it's brilliant. I mean, it's and it's such a simple fix. Like, it really is. And you're right. Arenas have these rooms. I mean, I've covered Blazers for a while. I covered NCAA tournaments. They set it up. It's, it's, it's easy to do this. It's not something that would be hard to do. And I think it's even better for the players. They can have their time to get dressed. They can come out when they need to come out. They're ready. They're ready for media. They're not bombarded with media. And like you said, too, it's it's such a social platform now with everybody's got phones and recordings. I mean, who you know, it's locker room. You're in showers. It's like you don't want background some guy with his pants off. I mean, it's, that's the kind of stuff that happens sometimes. We've seen it on social because these reporters go and it's just as soon as they can get something out, they get something out. They don't look about what's going on behind it. They don't figure it out. And it's just it's it's a I think your idea is great in all in all facets. Now, look. I'm not an idiot. And yes, for the people on Twitter who asked, have you ever been into a locker room? Yes, I've been into locker rooms. And again, I used to work in the NBA on the PR side. So yes, I've been in locker rooms. I've been on both sides of this, covering and interviewing athletes and as a PR professional. Okay? So not too many of you listening to this have been on both sides of this like I have. So I'm going to go ahead and and anoint myself a knowledgeable uh, spokesperson on this topic. Yes. I get that NFL teams and Major League Baseball teams are bigger. Bigger than NBA teams. I get that NHL teams are bigger. So maybe you do this in waves, right? Maybe you bring out wave one of the football team and, you know, you bring them into this media, social media room and they do interviews. Then you bring in wave two, then you bring in wave three. And I've been in NFL locker rooms. It's, it's a free for all, right? There's a lot of players in there. 
And sometimes you're walking up to the quarterback. Sometimes you're walking up to the offensive lineman. Sometimes you're walking up to the punter. I get the value of building relationships. Sometimes it's not always a formal interview. Sometimes you're mining for stories. I get all of that. It doesn't have to take place in the locker room where people take a shower and get dressed. It just doesn't. I've talked to reporters. By the way, I'm going to announce this right now. We are going to do a panel at Sports PR Summit. I'm the founder and CEO of Sports PR Summit. I bring the key stakeholders from the sports world together every year in New York. We're in year eight. SportsPRSummit.com. We're going to discuss this. Because guess what? NASCAR, they've reimagined how they've done media access with their drivers. And yes, I know, totally different than interviewing people in a locker room or interviewing people in an individual sport like golf or tennis. It's not one size fits all. But my point is this. In team sports, for the large part, we still have the same media access policies that we had in the 60s and 70s. Because of the iPhone, because of everything being on the record now, isn't it time that we reimagine media access. So we're going to discuss that at Sports PR Summit. I've got people from teams. I've got people from leagues. I've got a media person on that panel. So we can have the media perspective on that. And we're not just PR people talking to ourselves. I can guarantee you the athletes universally would praise a change in the rule to let the locker room be their sanctuary. Let the locker room be the place where they get dressed, where they can goof around with their teammates where they can have private conversations. Then you step into a separate room, the media, social media lounge, whatever you want to call it, and you do your interviews. So I'm not saying cut off or restrict media access. Do it in a room other than the locker room. Griggs, we're seeing no autograph signing now, no handshakes. Uh, Teams are limiting coaches and players and you know, only essential personnel. I think the next evolution of this in the next week or so, we'll see. I think we could see some teams like we're seeing in Europe play games in front of empty stadiums. And that is the last thing that the owners want because now you're saying to fans who have bought tickets, you know what? Either I got to make good on that or sorry, you, you bought a ticket. You can't come watch the game yeah. and it's going to cost people Money. It's going to cost not only the owner's money, it's going to cost the concession workers' money, the parking attendants' money. It has a ripple effect, and, and it's not a good thing. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting about this story, too, because it's something that we, as a world, haven't really dealt with a ton. So it's kind of interesting to see how... It's uncharted territory. Right, it's all it's all new. So you're seeing all these leagues and fans and businesses, and it's interesting to see how it develops and how certain entities handle the, this, this problem, because it is a problem, and it can... It's obviously growing slowly. Thankfully, in the U.S., it's not you know a wildfire yet, but it's still growing. So it's very interesting. And every day, it's like, what's going to happen today that's going to be changing? Well, the NBA has really taken the lead on a lot of this stuff, and you know they basically put out a memo to the teams, and it said a number of things. One, you know, closing the locker room to essential personnel only, and of course, the media. Well, a PR person has just as big of a chance of having coronavirus as I do. As I do, it, it's this shouldn't be a personal affront. Now, you could make the argument of if you're closing off the locker room to media, 
or you're asking them to stay six to eight feet away, why are you having twenty to thirty thousand fans in a in a stadium? Because players are going to be exposed to that much more than I guess someone in a locker room. But look again, this is uncharted territory. I think everyone's erring on the side of caution. Um, but it really does make you rethink. Like, I think the positive that could come out of this is we need a hard reset on a number of things. And one of them is the whole locker room access that I just outlined. Is there really a reason for reporters to be in a locker room if you could take them right next door to a media, social media lounge? And again, they have to be there. They get fined if they're not. They have to stay there for a set amount of time. So you're essentially getting the same access to the athletes. It's just in a room other than the locker room where it's an uncomfortable situation for everyone. I got a tweet from a reporter, I won't name his name, this weekend saying that's the most comfortable place for media and athletes to conduct interviews and have conversations. It is not. Have you ever talked to an athlete? They don't want to be doing interviews in their towel. Or when they step right out of the locker room, or you get out of here. Here's an NBA locker room that I was in recently. Let me paint this picture for you. The star player of the game. There's a horde of cameras sitting, waiting in front of the star player's locker. Okay? Star player comes out of the shower. There's a chair in front of star player's locker. Star player has a towel on. Star player has to, in front of all of these cameras that are literally three feet away from him, get dressed. Put on your underwear. Put on your pants. Put on your socks. Put on your shirt in front of all of these cameras. Are you kidding me? This is 2020. At the very least, if you're going to allow media access in the locker room, Can you give the players a set amount of time to get dressed (laughs) so they don't have to walk out of the shower in a towel and get dressed? And guess what? There's still players that even in the current setting of the locker room, they duck out the back door. They hide in the shower until the media has all left. They still find ways around this. If you created the media social media lounge... I think you eliminate a lot of these problems and you remove the uncomfortable scenario that I just described of you're walking right out of the shower and you're encountering a bunch of cameras and you're having to get dressed in front of the cameras. Again, next time you get out of the shower, think a minute about I've got 20 cameras in front of me or even one. And someone with the microphone, and they want to interview me. Griggs, pretty no, uncomfortable. Not fun. No. 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 I, I don't want to sign up for that. <laughs> I don't want to sign up for that. And guess what? No one wants to see that. No. And it's just not... It, the media access rules need to be modernized. And again, people always ask for a solution. I've given one, and I'm going to encourage the key stakeholders from the pro sports leagues in the U.S. and the NCAA to... Reimagine media access given the fact that we're in 2020, not in 1960. And it's time for the media access rules to be updated. I think we can make everyone happy and I think we can do what we need to do, but do it outside of the locker room and coming full circle here, Griggs. 
the reason they're closing these locker rooms is because they want to limit the exposure for the players to people in close proximity, right? A fan can be in the stands, but if they sneeze or cough, chances are if they're hundreds of feet away from you, it's not going to impact you. But if a reporter who is right next to you sneezes or coughs on you, now you're you're exposed. Well, you're using the same microphones, too, which is a big one, too. Reporter asks a question and then gives the microphone to right. LeBron. You know, right. you're, there you go. You got your, your breath and everything right on it. So, and you've talked about this stuff, not just with locker rooms, but about how sports especially has to adapt, move from the 60s, My 50s God. to the 2020s <laughs> in so many areas. Yeah. So this is a big one, and I agree with you. I think it's, uh, it needs to change and could be changed so easily. Well, and the last thing I'll say is this. How many media outlets want the 15-second soundbite from the player who just won a big game or a player who lost a big game. Okay, sure, Sports Center. Maybe some social media outlets are, are running the quick reaction. Let me ask you this. Think of the best stories you've read recently on sports figures, coaches, players, executives. Have they been 15-second soundbites? Or have they been in-depth stories? We do long-form conversations on this show. I have zero interest in a 15-second soundbite. It does me no good. Okay? Most of the best journalism that I see, you can't do in a locker room. You're, it's not the 15-second soundbite. If anything, it's setting it up for the longer-form interview, which you're getting after a practice. You're getting before practice. You're getting after a scrum. You're getting on a player's off day. I get the whole, I'm setting this up, but it doesn't need to be set up in the locker room. It could be set up in the media, social media lounge. But my point with this is more and more reporters want long-form, in-depth stories and interviews. So now if you think about it in that mindset, how much content are we really getting in the locker room? Other than you won, you lost. Uh, you know, Patrick Beverly the other day says it's no challenge guarding LeBron James. <laughs> you know, that's an interesting soundbite. But other than that, it, it's a 10 second soundbite. The stories I read are the in depth stories. Give me the Maya Moore story of why she just took two seasons off and went to bat for someone who just basically got a stay of execution. Give me the in-depth stories on a coach, on an executive, on a business deal. Give me a long-form interview like the one that we have on this show. I don't want the 15-second soundbite. I already saw the score. Fine, but you're not really accomplishing that much in the locker room. And I'm going to say it. I think a lot of this is ego-driven by the reporters. Mm-hmm. I need to be in that locker room. I've always been in that locker room. You're taking away my freedom of speech, my First Amendment, blah, 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 blah. You can still do an interview in the media, social media lounge. It doesn't need to be in the locker room. And to my most recent point here, you're really not getting that much in the locker room other than a 15-second soundbite, which every once in a while you'll get a Patrick Beverly one, but most of the time, eh, it's a mixed bag. You really don't find one that stands out. The best stuff that you're reading or seeing is the in-depth, long-form journalism. And as a journalist here for a minute, I want the long-form. 
I want the deeper conversation. I don't want the 15-second soundbite. And you, the fan, the consumer, you should want something a little more in-depth as well. Griggs, there are events that are going to continue at this point, despite the coronavirus. One, the Miami Open, which is really interesting because BNP Paribas in Palm Desert that we just told you about canceled. Right after that announcement, Miami Open says, we're not canceled. So it was almost like they were like, hey, we need to let people know that they canceled, but we're not canceling. We're still going on as scheduled. That's Tom Garfinkel and Stephen Ross and our friends in Miami that have decided to proceed with this. The other event that is going to continue, March Madness. And I'm happy about this, Griggs. I mean, look, I don't want anyone to get sick, but I think if March Madness was canceled... Now you're going to like DEFCON 2 on this thing. If <laughs> DEFCON 1 is the worst case scenario, if you cancel March Madness, we're at DEFCON 2. Yeah. And it's sending a catastrophic message to everyone. And I just don't think – I think it's too early in this process to say, you know what? Now, a week from now, if they come out and say, we're going to play with no fans in the stands, wouldn't be shocked. And look, CBS and Turner is paying a boatload of money for this. And you could still make it a made-for-TV thing, right? Uh, it's not going to have the same ambiance that you have with fans, but you could still make it a, a made-for-TV thing. If they had canceled that, I think now people really start to worry. By the way, Joanne Scott, who has joined us the last few years on Sports Business Radio, she runs March Madness for the NCAA. She will be my guest on next week's show. And, you know, we'll get the ins and outs of the tournament, but it'll be interesting to see where are we a week from now. The selection show is this Sunday. And by the way, the selection show, it's the one hour. Quick reveal. Not a lot of drama like we had a few years ago where it was like, oh, my God, just reveal the brackets yeah, already, exactly. please, for the love of God. <laughs> Last year was great. Yep. And they're doing same thing this year. Greg Gumbel was hosting. Uh, look, they're not tone deaf. They they understood the criticism they got for dragging it out. Well-deserved. And eating, like, pizza 15 <laughs> times during <laughs> And this selection is presented by Pizza Hut. <laughs> My God, just give me the teams in the bracket already. And I'll tell you what, as a side note, I don't think I've ever been less prepared for filling out a bracket than I am this year. <laughs> yeah, right. Like last year, I was really into Zion and Ja Morant and RJ Barrett and, you know, some of the big names in college basketball. This year, I don't think I could name five yeah. people. Me too. I'll tell you who I'm excited to watch more than any other player in the NCAA tournament. Who is it, Greg? Sabrina. You got it, baby. Sabrina Ionescu. I cannot wait to watch the women's tournament and to watch Sabrina. She's my Zion this year. Oh, yeah. And I think she's going to be the Zion for the WNBA. I think she's the next Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird. Yeah. She's going to carry the torch. She's going to get drafted by the New York Liberty. And spare me the, oh, she's a woman. No one watches the WNBA. And you know what? Steph Curry's going to her games. Russell Wilson's going to her games. Kobe had made her one of his protégés. Yep. This woman has it all. And she's going to be a huge star. And the thing that's interesting, Griggs, 
this is a total side note, but I was having this conversation with someone yesterday. Serena Williams going to be retiring soon. Maria Sharapova just retired. Lindsey Vaughn retired. Some of the biggest female athletes in sports are either near retirement or they've retired. Diana Taurasi, Sue Bird, they're going to be retiring soon. Sabrina could own the women's sports landscape. She could be the biggest female athlete in the world if things go her way and if people around her take advantage of marketing her because she is a great player on the court. She's very well spoken off the court as we saw at Kobe's memorial. Uh, she's the person that I really want to watch in, in March Madness. But uh, it's good that March Madness is proceeding and some of these other events are still going to proceed, but I think everyone's watching with caution. And, you know, here's the dirty secret, Griggs. Lawyers run all of these organizations, right? What's a lawyer's number one concern? Liability. Yeah. Liability with the player getting sick. Liability with the coach getting sick. Liability with the media person or fan getting sick and suing the organization. So I think you're seeing some of these organizations bend over backwards to be cautious because of the fact that the legal counsel is probably telling them, you're at risk for this. You're at risk for that. Now, the last thing I'll say about this is look at the stock market, right? The panic and fear, the stock market had its worst day since 2008 on Monday. It dropped over 2,000 points in a day. As I joked on social media, my 401k is now a 4k. (laughs) Okay, not a good day. Uh, What did I read? Elon Musk and Warren Buffett lost billions of dollars in one day. Yeah. So if you think you had a bad day in the stock market, try losing billions of dollars in one day. So this is affecting the sports world. It's affecting the business world. It's affecting event planners like us who are going, well, when is this fear factor going to end? Are we still going to be able to do events in the future? Things like that. A lot of companies have imposed travel restrictions on their employees. A lot of companies have said, you're working from home. We're quarantining you in your own home. Don't come to the office. So, like you said, you you used a good word earlier. It's a fluid story. It's changing every day. And, uh, you know, who knows what it's going to look like next week. But uh, I think everyone, for the most part, is handling this correctly. I would say don't overreact. Sometimes we make things worse than they are. And, and I, I don't want to... I don't want to say that we're doing that here. And again, I get the whole liability factor, but just wash your hands for 30 seconds and don't cough on people and wash your phone every day. By the way, if there's a good entrepreneur inventor out there, (laughs) other than my Clorox wipes that I wipe my phone down with every day, because I've been told on Twitter 58 times in the last two days that (laughs) putting my phone up to my face is the same as putting a toilet seat up to my face. (laughs) So I wipe my phone down and my laptop like five times a day now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've got a little Larry David in me, as I've told you on (laughs) on previous shows. Uh, But... Can someone invent something like when I'm charging my phone at night, if I could set my phone in a contraption that it would clean my phone and I get up the next morning and my phone is charged and it's cleaned, I'm buying that thing 
in two seconds. For real. That's a great idea. So can someone... Do it. <laughs> I'm an entrepreneur. I don't have time to get the patents and go through all the you know research and development and all that. Can someone please do that? And then can someone else... This is the last thing I'll say about this is it's so interesting. I went to Costco the other day. The one thing that everyone is buying, toilet paper. (laughs) If the end of the world comes tomorrow or next week or a month from now, is toilet paper really going to save us? I, I get the fact that people are probably like, well, I may be quarantined for a while, so I need to have my TP. But... My God. I mean, people are knocking each other down at Costco and other places in order to get their TP or their their wipes or whatever <laughs> it is. Can we have some some common courtesies and some civilization here, people? It's toilet paper. $8,000 for a bottle of Purell, Purell on uh, eBay. I guess they just closed what? that all down. Yeah. eBay actually is banning the sale of any kind of product like that because people are gouging. Well, and on Amazon, they're sold out of toilet paper because yeah. a lot of people are like, well, I can't get it at Costco. I can't <laughs> get it at my grocery store. I'll just order it on Amazon. Amazon's <laughs> like, we're out too. We're out. <laughs> so uh, I guess if you're buying stock, Charmin is yeah, probably a good they're doing well. stock or Costco is probably a good stock. I haven't looked at these, but I'm not trying to make light of this because people have died. Yeah. and. But I think what we've discussed is the the layers of impact this has had on the sports and business world. And let's all just take a deep breath. Let's all uh, keep ourselves clean. If you need to quarantine yourself, quarantine yourself. And we will continue to watch this closely. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. When it comes to stadiums and the fan experience, every sports pro knows wireless wins. And when it comes to the best wireless technology for your venue, look no further than Boingo Wireless. Boingo is your wireless partner for the 5G era. Boingo is the largest operator of indoor wireless networks in the U.S., providing state-of-the-art cellular and 5G-ready networks that power amazing fan experiences. And Boingo makes keeping your stadium connected easy today and in the future. Thinking about CBRS or 5G? Boingo has you covered. Next-gen stadium tech like mobile ticketing, VR, and micro-betting are all possible with Boingo's 5G solutions that stay ahead of what's next. Here's another kicker. Boingo is simply the best connected experience for your business. Whether the NFL, NBA, MLS, or NCAA, Boingo helps world-class sports venues improve operating efficiencies, deepen loyalty with fans, and generate more revenue. It's a win-win. Boingo powers the connected experience at places like Soldier Field, Vivint Smart Home Arena, State Farm Arena, University of Louisville, and K-State, just to name a few. Kickstart your team's 5G strategy with a free wireless consultation from Boingo. Simply email sbradio at boingo.com and mention this podcast. That's sbradio at boingo.com. Our thanks to Boingo for their continued support of Sports Business Radio. We're excited to showcase how technology is changing the business of sports. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. All right. There's other headlines going on in the sports world, believe it or not. Griggs, as we discussed last week with Nate Burleson, the NFL CBA. This is a drama. Like, I, if we were doing a reality show, <laughs> put a camera in 
the meetings with the NFL players. Because the owners kind of calm, coolly collected, here's our proposal. They slide it across the table, like that 40 million Griggs that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. Here, here's our proposal. <laughs> you know, it's headlined by 17 games. And then you've even read stories about, well, the owners are hoping the players don't accept this because they really want to hit them over the head with 18 games. And they regret not asking for 18 games. Well, the players have extended the deadline for the vote until this Saturday night at midnight Eastern. Okay? Two prominent players, one, Russell Okung, who was running for president of the NFLPA, but has since dropped out. He filed an unfair labor practice charge with the National Labor Relations Board against the NFL Players Association and Executive Director DeMore Smith. Not really the camaraderie no. The harmony that you're looking for from potentially your future NFLPA president and the executive director. Eric Reed, who's very smart, had his lawyer read the entire proposal. And then he put out a two-page memo that he put on Twitter to all the players. Here's all of the flaws with the proposal that we were given. And on Twitter, Eric Reed said, it's a bigger disaster than we could have imagined. <laughs> Great. Okay? <laughs> so you've had J.J. Watt, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Okung, and now Eric Reed, just to name a few, blast the proposal from the owners. And look, this is what's different this time around from previous CBA negotiations, the last one 10 years ago. You've got Twitter. Yeah. You can't tell me that some of the medium to uh, lower paid players aren't influenced by what they read from Russell Okung and Eric Reed and J.J. Watt and Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers on Twitter or social media. They're absolutely, at the very least, going to go, you know what, I'm going to raise an eyebrow and take a closer look at this, which is a good thing. But they're going to be influenced by what those players say on social media about this. And now the vote's going to take place on Saturday. And because they've delayed the vote, they've got to fast track some other things. So here's how the schedule goes for the NFL in the next week. And this is a huge next week for the NFL. Saturday night, 11.59 p.m., the players vote on a proposed CBA. So you've got to have your vote in. If you don't have it in by 11.59 on Saturday night... Your vote doesn't count. 2,100-plus players could vote, potentially. Monday at 11.59, you've got franchise and transition tag deadlines. So you want to tag a player, you got to do it by then. That deadline got ex- extended. Monday at noon Eastern, the negotiating window opens up. And then Wednesday... 318, March 18th, 4 p.m., the league year and free agency began. And Griggs, there's not a bigger domino to fall than six-time Super Bowl champ Tom Brady. So everyone's saying, will the Patriots and Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick extend a contract offer to Tom Brady before he becomes a free agent on the 18th, next Wednesday, at 4 p.m. Eastern, or is Brady 
going to say for the first time in my career, I'm an unrestricted free agent. I'm going to go meet with the Raiders. I'm going to meet with the Chargers. I'm going to meet with the Titans. I'm going to meet with whoever. And we have all the speculation, just like we see in the NBA with Kevin Durant, LeBron James, and all of this stuff. Now, the thing that makes this interesting, Griggs, is that this week, Tom Brady announced the launch of, I love this name, 199 Productions. And you're like, Tom Brady is number 12. Why is it 199 Productions? Because Tom Brady was selected with the 199th pick in the NFL draft. His first project is working with Avengers Endgame directors, Joe and Anthony Russo, and their AB or AGBO Films nonfiction group, Wonderburst, to produce unseen football. The feature is described as a fast-paced, big-screen 3D adventure documentary designed to take viewers into the invisible realms of football, guided by the most successful quarterback in NFL history. Tom Brady. So Tom Brady has a production company now. So a lot of people have said, well, look, LeBron set up a bunch of Hollywood deals and production companies, and then he went and signed with the Lakers. Maybe Tom Brady's going to do the same thing. Maybe he's going to go to the Chargers. I wouldn't say this makes that a slam dunk. It may happen, but I don't think him starting a production company, for instance, he could go to Nashville and the Tennessee Titans. And, you know, as someone pointed out on Twitter this week, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, there's a lot of people, Carrie Underwood, a lot of people living in Nashville, Blake Shelton, they do just fine without living in L.A. And it's become a mini Los Angeles. You can run business out of there. I still say the odds on favorite is the Patriots to resign him. But, you know, he started this production company. So is there any element of this, Griggs, for you where you go, huh? He's showing up at all these events. He's posting videos on social. Maybe there's some drama here. Could be. That is being used for this documentary. And all along, he knows he's going back to the Patriots. But it's not a good docudrama if you don't have a little drama, right? You got to think Tom Brady. I mean, he's such a smart person yeah. that he, he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Like this whole thing is he knows in, in his mind, I'm signing here. I'm going doing this. It's not like he's, oh, wow, well, what am I going to do today? He's got this figured out. So I think it's fascinating. And I mean, talk about March Madness. You got NFL Madness coming up next week. It's going to be fascinating. Well, and this is a really, I can't remember a time in the last, I don't know, maybe ever, 15 years for sure, where there's been this many quarterbacks on the market. Yeah. Philip Rivers, Tom Brady, Teddy Bridgewater, uh, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota. I mean, you have so Andy Dalton, you have so many quarterbacks, some yeah. A-list, some B, some C, but you got a lot of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And that's the most important position in the NFL. So you're going to see this quarterback carousel, but it all starts with Brady, right? Yeah. If Brady stays in New England, now all these other positions open up. If Brady goes somewhere else, now all of a sudden New England's looking for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Who do they bring in? And the interesting thing with this is, according to multiple reports, Robert Kraft has said to Tom Brady and Bill Belichick, this is Bill's decision. He's going to make the final call on this. And I'm sure Kraft is going to be in Bill's ear, and he'll probably be in Tom's ear, 
trying to get these two to make a deal. But it's got to be Belichick's decision. And sometimes it's not easy parting ways with a legend. But is it time? For instance, if Brady says, I need $30 million plus to play, does that make sense for the Patriots? I think it does. I'd still go two years at, at 30 plus. If you're going to pay Dak Prescott $33 million, not that he's not a solid quarterback. And yes, I get that he's much younger, but I'll ride with Tom Brady for two years at 33 plus million dollars. I'll take my chance with the, with Brady at quarterback in New England instead of Dak or Derek Carr or someone like that. I mean, he's a proven commodity. He's won six Super Bowls. And isn't there some element of this for you, Griggs? It's nice when Kobe Bryant, Dirk Nowitzki play their entire career in one uniform. I think that legacy thing is in play here. Derek Jeter. Yep. Like You just want to say, I never saw Tom Brady in another uniform other than the Patriots. And every time you see someone in another uniform, outside of maybe Peyton Manning, it never ends well. No. It's the twilight of the career, and you're like, man... It just ruined it for me. I wish they would have stayed in that uniform. They went to that team. They were a, a shadow of themselves. They didn't win anything. We've seen it time and time and time again. And, you know, for the legacy of Brady and the NFL and the Patriots, I, I kind of want them to stay in a Patriots uniform. But the whole point of this is I think with this production company being launched and he's doing this docudrama, my guess is Griggs. He's going to go dancing with a few teams, and it's going to make for great content. Sure. Here he is meeting with uh, the Tennessee Titans and Mike Vrabel, former Patriot, who he was already supposedly FaceTiming with with Julian Edelman at a Syracuse yeah. basketball game. <laughs> Why are those two at a Syracuse basketball <laughs> yeah, game? Random of the day. I mean, is that content? <laughs> who knows? Here he is in L.A., meeting with the Chargers. And, oh, by the way, he just started a production company in L.A., so all the speculation is going to run rampant. But if you're starting a production company and you're doing a documentary, I'd be shocked if before March 18th, the deadline, we just hear Tom's going back to New England. Yeah. <laughs> End of story. No content for the documentary. Like, I think we're going to drag this out a little bit. And wouldn't it be funny? Wouldn't it be hilarious, Griggs, if Brady has already informed Robert Kraft and Bill Belichick, look, I'm coming back to you. We've already agreed to terms, but I got this new documentary company. <laughs> I need to play this out. We need some drama here. Just bear with me. I'm not going to give you the answer on March 18th. It's going to be a week later while I go meet with some teams and build some content. Yeah. It's not out of the realm. I mean, no. if you've read Ramona Shelburne's story on how the Kawhi Leonard, Paul George thing came to be. That was all taking place. None of us had any knowledge that that was going on and that they were meeting and they were flying around and all of this stuff was taking place. We all thought it was, it was such misdirection, right? So I think Brady might be doing a little bit of misdirection here. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. One word you wouldn't typically associate with a dress shirt is comfort. However, the folks over at Mizzen in Maine are changing this. Their shirts are incredibly comfortable. Mizzen in Maine makes dress shirts for men that fixes everything that's ever been wrong with shirts for so long. Their shirts breathe, stretch, and wick away moisture. 
It's like athletic wear disguised as a dress shirt, making them great for travel. They've taken the hassle out of looking great through wrinkle resistance and the ability to wash your shirts at home. No more last-minute ironing. No more after-work trips to the dry cleaner. It's a shirt that's worked for thousands of customers, including hundreds of professional athletes like J.J. Watt and Phil Mickelson. And guess what? Mizzen in Maine now is making pants. At long last, the Mizzen in Maine performance chino is here. Everything consumers love about the dress shirts, packed into new pants. Business casual just got comfortable. I love my Mizzen in Maine pants. It has the same breathability, superior comfort, no pilling. It's awesome. For travel, I don't have to worry about my pants being wrinkled when I take them out of my suitcase, just like my dress shirts. Now I'm covered. I've got the pullover. I've got the dress shirts. I've got the new pants. Go to MizzenandMaine.com. Use the promo code SBR. Try out their new pants. I promise you'll love them. That's MizzenandMaine.com. Code SBR. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Other headlines for this week. NBC Sports Griggs has declined the request by ESPN to trade Al Michaels <laughs> from NBC to ESPN. And a lot of people thought or think this could still happen because Mike Tirico is set to replace Al Michaels at NBC. So they thought, okay. I could see this happening. It relieves the pressure of Tariko hovering over Al Michaels, waiting for the seat to empty so he can sit in that seat. And Al Michaels gets to go back to the company where he largely made his name, ABC ESPN. He can be the number one guy at Monday Night Football. There had been talk about a Al Michaels-Peyton Manning pairing. Either NBC needs a lot more than ESPN's offering for Al Michaels or this thing is dead and they're going to keep Al Michaels for another few years and then move Tariko into that spot. What do you want to see, Grace? You know, I think, as we talked about, I think with John last week, uh, it's the highest rated NFL product is the NBC Sunday Night right. Football. Yeah. So I see why he's in demand. Obviously, it's Al Michaels. I mean, he's iconic. Right. He's one of the best. So it's it's fun to have a little bit of drama around this. I think it's kind of cool to see because... Obviously, ESPN is looking for Monday night. It's it sucks, so they got to find something. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think he stays at NBC a couple more years. The other thing is, if you're Al Michaels' agent and you're Al Michaels in your last contract, so he was last traded fourteen years ago for like Oswald the Bunny or something <laughs> like that, like some random. We get the bunny back, or, or it was the weirdest <laughs> trade ever. But fourteen years ago, if you're traded. And he's done a contract since then. Don't you and your agent put a no trade clause in the contract and say, this isn't happening again without my blessing? And if he blesses it, then okay, you approve the trade and you move to ESPN. But I wouldn't underestimate that factor here that, like you just said, you're at the number one spot for covering NFL games Sunday night, NFL games on NBC. You get the cream of the crop games versus... The Monday night games have been pretty stinky yeah. as far as the lineup is concerned. You're getting not great matchups. I would want to approve that and not just be traded like an athlete where you're randomly traded and, and you don't really have a say in it unless you have a no trade cloth. So we'll see how that goes. Other big news, the PGA Tour, 
This I paid really close attention to because remember last week we had John Oren from the Sports Business Journal on. If you haven't heard that conversation, really good conversation with him. He covers sports media. The PGA Tour, Greg, signs a nine-year deal with Viacom CBS, Comcast NBC, and the Walt Disney Company's ESPN+. It allows the tour to significantly expand its content offerings. The LPGA also receives expanded exposure through the first-ever joint negotiations. So this was really good. The LPGA said, we're coming in on this with you, PGA, and the PGA allowed it, and and they're going to have much better coverage. But Griggs, 70% more for media rights fees for the PGA Tour now than they got the last time around. Wow. This is the PGA Tour. And again, nothing against the PGA Tour. But if they're getting 70% more, imagine what the NFL is going to get. Yeah. I mean, this is the precursor of all precursors. Yep. Because people are, these networks are going to have to pony up billions for NFL games. They already are doing billions, but I mean, this is going to be unlike anything we've seen. So when I saw that the PJ Tour got 70% more, and what have I always said on this show, Griggs? That now the rights fees for broadcast and streaming are more important than ever because sports gambling is becoming legal everywhere. So if you've got a bet on an event, you want to be able to watch it on TV or you want to be able to watch it streaming. The thing I love most about this is I like golf. I love watching golf. I like playing golf. My daughter's on her high school golf team. Most of the tournaments that are covered by the network, CBS and NBC, you don't see anything but the back nine, right? right? Unless it's the masters and you're teeing off with the leaders and it's uninterrupted coverage. And most of the time you're only seeing here are the leaders and here they are in the back nine. What this is going to do is it's going to put most of the holes on streaming on ESPN plus. So now if you're like, you know what? I want to watch Tiger Woods in round two at this tournament and I want to see him tee off and play from one to 18. Boom. I'm turning on ESPN plus and I can watch Tiger Woods entire round or Phil Mickelson or Bubba Watson or Rory or whoever you want to watch. And I think that's going to help golf exponentially. This is another thing. Put this in the same conversation as modernizing media access policies. We have all of the technology in place to show a full round of golf, but we only show half a round of golf. Yeah. Thank God. Now, finally, we're going to be able to, even if it's not on network TV, it's still going to be on streaming. I have ESPN Plus. And by the way, the other part of this that I like is if you have ESPN Plus, you get this now. It used to be you had to have PGA Tour Plus. That is now merging essentially with ESPN Plus. So you will see PGA streaming coverage on the ESPN Plus platform. You're not paying twice. You're paying once. So what ESPN is doing with UFC and with now PGA and other entities, they're 30 for 30 and stuff, they're beefing up their library mm-hmm. of content. And I like the fact that in this case, this is content that you're not going to get on CBS or NBC because they're going to be showing the back nine. But ESPN Plus, you're going to be able to watch from the beginning of the round. Well, you're seeing it even this week. The players, they announced this is the first ever 
every shot is streamed. Right. So you can see literally every single shot. And I think you're right with sports betting now, too. That opens up, hey, uh, Tiger's going to hit an eagle on ni- number nine today. Right. I'm going to put a bet on that. Or Tiger's going to do this, or Phil's going to do this. So it's going to just make it that much more exciting. And I, I think it's great. I mean, it's no one. I think it's going to catch fire. People are going to love it because I love it. Like you, I love golf. It's going to be fun to watch all these holes you never even see on some of these uh, tournaments. Yeah, the micro betting. Yeah, but again, the headline here, in addition to oh, cool, we get to watch the entire round of golf, is the PGA just got seventy percent more money for their rights fees this time around than they did last time around. That should tell you that the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, when these deals come up in the next three to five years, they are going to go cha-ching to the bank. It is going to be big, big money like we've never seen. And the fact that you've got these streaming platforms now allows for either behind-the-scenes coverage or additional coverage. All right, Griggs. uh, What do you – I know – we can make our picks next week. Yeah. But Selection Sunday coming up on Sunday, do you have any clue who you're picking for <laughs> no. the NCAA tournament? Or it's you... funny you mentioned that you're like totally don't even know. I'm the same yeah. way. It's like I don't have any. I've been watching our girl Sabrina in Oregon here and also on the pack, or the men's side too with Pritchard. I mean, we've got Pac-12 players of the year, so I'm I'm watching the Oregon teams really a lot this year, and that's kind of where my focus has been. So I really don't even uh, – I haven't even really looked at the broad – spectrum of it. So I can't answer that yet. I'm just going to throw this out. I mean, here we are in the Pacific Northwest. If there was ever a year for Gonzaga to win the tournament, this is the year. Could be, yeah. It's wide open. Yeah. They've been a top-ranked team all year. I don't know that they're going to have a better shot than this year because it's so flat and balanced. There's no dominant team this year. Or... This could be the year, Griggs, that we see like an eight seed yeah. win the tournament and just get hot at the right time. Yep. It's going to be wide open. So I, I think that's going to be part of what's going to be fun to watch. Uh, we'll talk with Joanne next week, but I love that Dwayne Wade is being added to the studio in Atlanta. Yep. And they're doing some additional fun things with their coverage. And, you know, I've always loved since they moved a few years ago to, like Charles Barkley and Shaq and Kenny Smith, you know, will do some NCAA games and it's great. I, I like that kind of cross promotion to get the NBA on TNT crew doing some of the NCAA tournament. That's fun to watch. Well, credit NCAA for adapting like we were talking about earlier. Like right. this is great. Their product for broadcast coverage has been phenomenal. And they've moved it from, you know, just the two guys sitting in the studio or on the court side. Now they've got the whole NBA crew. They've got, like you said, Dwayne Wade joining. And that is huge because you get all kinds of fans. You get the cross fans. You get NBA fans because, hey, Ernie and Charles are talking. Shaq's on here, blah, blah. So I think it's great. So, Final Four uh, in Atlanta for the men, in New Orleans for the women. Again, uh, I am very excited to watch Oregon's women's team. I mean, we are in Oregon, but Sabrina is just captivating to watch. Yeah. Uh, I feel like she's on a mission from Kobe to get it done this sure. year. And uh, I-, I hope she gets it done, but uh, it's going to be fun to watch both tournaments. Yep, I agree. And Sabrina is just... Uh... You never see a girl, and they talked about uh, that the other night, the last game they played when they won the Pac-12. Uh, she can literally, you can just see her take the team on her back and say, all right, let's go win the game. 
Like Stanford had the first quarter in that game, and then Sabrina just said, "All right, I'm going to go put 20 up in the second quarter or whatever she did." And it's right. like it's over. They're up by 30 all of a sudden. Yeah. So she's just fascinating to watch, and she just commands the court in all aspects: rebounds, assists, steals. She's doing it all. It's phenomenal, and she's a cool girl. I mean, she's just awesome to you hear interviews and stuff. She's just a good heart. By the way, speaking of young players, I watched. People will be like, "What?" I watched the New Orleans Pelicans Dallas Mavericks game the other night. Luca versus Zion. I just I love those two players. Yep. And there's a lot of other really good players too. But please, basketball gods, keep those two healthy yeah. for the next twenty years or even fifteen years. Cause they are such dynamic, exciting players, so different in their styles. But like lots of balls throwing Zion Williamson three quarter court. Alley-oops. I mean, he's basically getting a rebound, turning around, throwing it to the rim <laughs> on the other end of the court, and Zion's like coming out of nowhere yeah. to jump over everyone and dunk it. And then, you know, Luca at the end of that game, did what you just described Sabrina doing. All right, it's overtime. I'm taking over. Yeah. And made threes. You know, he can pass the ball. He can do it all, and and that's what Sabrina can do too. So it's fun to watch. There's so many good young basketball players in the NBA and WNBA, and you just hope they all stay healthy, and uh, it'll be interesting to watch. But we'll stay on top of all of the coronavirus impact on the sports world. You can follow us on Twitter for regular updates at SB Radio, whether it's a retweet of a press release like the one we saw this week from Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, the NBA and NHL, or an event saying, hey, we're going with no fans in the stands, or we're canceling, or hey, our event's still happening. We're trying to stay on top of all of that for you. So follow us on Twitter at SB Radio. And like I said, next week, Joanne Scott, the executive from the NCAA who runs March Madness, She'll join us right here on Sports Business Radio. I can't tell you how many times over the years on Sports Business Radio that a PR person is asked to listen in on my interviews with their CEO, GM, coach, or athlete. They also want to call us in our studio so that we don't have the phone number of the high-profile person who is calling us for our interview. Blinder has developed a technology that solves these issues that have existed for years. Use Blinder's unique technology to connect your athlete, coach, or executive's personal phone for any interview without sharing their private information. Remotely control the phone interviews, set start and finish times, monitor online or with the Blinder mobile app, and listen to a recording of the call at any time for complete peace of mind. With Blinder, you're finally in control. The system works globally from any phone line. Scheduling a call takes seconds. Customizable push notifications ensure a connection, and no one needs to download anything to make or receive a call. PR people everywhere should be using this helpful technology. Blinder is now the technology we use for the official guest line for Sports Business Radio. Learn how to start your free trial by visiting blinderhq.com backslash sbradio. Now we're talking. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. Thanks to our friends at Boingo Wireless for powering our Sports Business Radio Roadshow. Follow them online at boingo.com or on Twitter at Boingo. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. 
Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com.